Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, it's the uh, big game today, Super Bowl, baby. And so pretty exciting. It's gonna be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. So who do you got, Pathways? Okay, 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 just hold on, hold on. Man, you guys are rowdy. All right, just give me a moment here. By a little round of applause, okay? Uh, Who has the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs fans? Okay, all right, that was vibrant, that was vibrant. Okay, I see some Chiefs stuff, I know. Yeah, okay, a lot of Chiefs. Okay, Uh, now, what about the Philadelphia Eagles? Whoa! Fly, birds, fly, keeping it in the NFC. I'm so excited. Pennsylvania's my home state, and so my dad's excited because uh, he's a lifelong Eagles fan. So uh, that's, that's really good. Well, I want to talk to you about something that's way bigger than the Super Bowl. Are you ready? I want to talk about your future. I want to talk about your future. Way more important than the Super Bowl. You know the future that you thought you were going to change uh, when you set those New Year's resolutions some 60 days ago? <laughs> How are those going, by the way? <laughs> right? It's uh, tough to change, to find real change, sustainable change. You want a, a true, a new you. Well, Good news is that God talks about real change, where real change occurs and how it happens. And so I want to share with you uh, three verses out of Ephesians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, mobile device, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 22. This is what Paul writes through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires to be made new. Everybody say new. New. To be made new. Where does that newness start? It starts, as scripture says, in the attitude of your mind. To be made new in the attitude of your mind. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Aren't you glad to know that the new you is the true you? Aren't you glad to know that, that all the stuff that you have been through and all the struggles that you've had in your past, that doesn't define who you are at the core of your being. Rather, it's the new you that's the true you when you put on the new attitude, the mind of Christ, so you're created in his image and his likeness, his righteousness and his holiness. See, it's, it's who God says you are that you truly are who he says you are, Amen. And all those other struggles are subjects to change in the presence of God as we cooperate with his Holy Spirit and his word, the Bible. When we're in cooperation with those two things, that's where change begins to occur relationally in our lives through the power of Jesus Christ. And I believe that God gave me a message. He's given me a message today, a certain word for an uncertain season in someone's life. I believe that God has given me a message, a certain word for an uncertain season in someone's life. And so uh, 
Here's what I wanna say to this weekend. Here's the bottom line. Here's the, the sticky statement. Here's the big idea. Here's the thesis. Here's, here's everything. These are all preacher's tricks for you to actually write this down, okay? Um, this, is, this is gonna serve as my title of my message, but, but here it is. Thank you for pulling out your mobile device, sir. You're, you're writing this down. That's awesome. Um, here it is. Don't fight your future. Don't fight your future. Don't fight your future. You know how you fight your future? You fight your, your future with your excuses. See, in this series, we've been saying that excuses are like paper walls. From a distance, they appear to be real obstacles. From a distance, they look like they're impenetrable. From a distance, paper walls, they hold us back. These are the excuses. And one of the primary ways that you and I, we fight our future is by excuse making. We say things like this, well, I had to buy it because it was on sale, right? And yet we had four of the same thing at home already, but because it was on sale, I had to buy it. Or I had to get it because, you know, my old one was, well, it was old, so I needed a new one. And then some of you are coming to church and you're under financial pressure and it's choking you and you're coming to church and you're, you're putting out requests to prayer partners, pray for my financial crisis. I can't keep my head above water. I'm like paycheck to paycheck. And here's what God is saying. I have his answer. Stop clicking Amazon. <laughs> just don't do that. You, you don't need major revival. You just need your finger not to click it, Okay. Or, or, or what, about, what about this one? Here's another excuse. I don't exercise because I'm, I'm just not a morning person. Or I don't exercise because, you know what? I, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. And you know what you're doing with your excuse, your paper wall? You're actually sabotaging your destiny. Because for some of you, you have a daughter and your destiny is this. God wants you to walk your daughter down the aisle. And if you have excuses, you're gonna sabotage your destiny and you're not gonna be alive. Excuses are like paper walls. And isn't it true that it's so easy to see in other people than in ourselves? Like if you're a parent of, of children and, and, and your kids, you say, hey, did you get your homework done? And they're like, well, you know, I, I, I couldn't because I, I, my, my stomach hurt, right? Or I was, you know, I just, you know, like, no. Wouldn't it be so refreshing if they said, mom, dad, here's my excuse. I just didn't want to do it, right? It's so easy to see excuses in everybody else. And it's so hard for us to see it like six inches away. Like when your boss comes in and says, hey, I need to call a meeting because we need to talk about some of the reasons why this initiative failed. And so they share those reasons with you. And you're thinking to yourself, you're looking at some of your teammates and you're thinking, man, these aren't reasons. These are just Mickey Mouse excuses as to why this didn't work, right? In fact, some of you right now, you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I hope so-and-so is watching this message about excuses because they're like major excuse makers. But here's the deal. This message is for you and it's for me because all of us were really good at justifying and making excuses that wind up fighting our future the plan, the thing, the destiny, the goal in this next phase of our lives, in this next chapter, in this next season. So every person that when I look at scripture has to understand that this new you is created in the image and the righteousness and the holiness of God, that they have to have this mindset because it's the mindset that helps them to bust through these paper walls. Everybody say bust through. 
We're gonna bust through. By the time you leave today, I'm gonna give you some practical ways in which you can bust through some paper walls, some of those excuses that are fighting your future. And in this series, we've been looking at the character of Moses. And last week, here's where we left off. He's 40 years old. He had just killed an Egyptian slave master in chapter two, and he's on the run. He went to Midian, he got married, he set up shop, he had a son, and now he's a shepherd. He's a foreigner in a foreign land, and he is on the run. You remember we said that it was a brick wall that he hit. It wasn't a paper wall, it was a brick wall. Why? Because he killed somebody. He buried him in the sand. And the central question that he was wondering to himself, have you ever done this with your past? I wonder who's gonna find out. I wonder when Pharaoh's gonna come for me. You're always on edge, you're always looking because you have a secret. You have a brick wall that's hidden inside of you or around you or in your past. Last week we talked about Moses' past. Today we're gonna talk about how his past held him back and impaired him from moving forward. He was fighting his future. Isn't this so relatable? Because I don't know about you, but my past sometimes, it has a way of messing with me. It has a way of holding me back. It has a way of just paralyzing me. And when I look at the future, I think there's no way because of my past. So we're going to look at a story in Exodus chapter three. And I want to just give you a little context. Uh, He was 40 when Moses hit his brick wall. For another 40 years, he was in Midian. So that means he's 80 years old when we're going to read our story, our lesson for today. Now, Earlier in service, we dedicated some babies, right? Those little ones, we put up their pictures and everybody said, oh, right? Well, I want to do something else the Bible calls us to do. I want to show honor and I want to respect our elders. And you say, well, how old do I have to be to be an elder? Well, according to the Bible, um, You need to be 80 years old. You need to be Moses' age, okay? So if you're watching online, um, you you can do this too. Uh, I want you to stand up wherever you are if you're 80 years old or above. Anybody in the room, if you're 80 or above, we wanna recognize and honor you. Would you stand up and just stay standing? Stay standing. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's Sheila. Wait. One, two, three, four. Anybody on this side? Oh my word. We had, thank you so much for, oh, five, five. Wait, one, two, three, four, five. I can't count. Sorry. Five. We had five this service and we had five last service. Isn't that amazing? You know why I love that? You, You may be seated. We love you. And we're so grateful for your example, and we're so grateful for your faithfulness, and we are so grateful that you're a part of Pathways Church. And one of the things I love about Pathways, it represents all the generations. We're not a young church. We're not a hip church. We're, we're a church that is a picture of heaven. All ages, we want to represent God's way of life here on earth, and we want to make him famous, and it takes people 80 plus to do that. Rock on, Sheila. All right. Now, here's what's amazing. We're going to look at Moses and everything we know about his life. He lived to 120 years old. Everything we know about Moses' life happens after 80. You know what that means? You can't retire from God. You might get Social Security, but God's got a plan for you. 
okay? And so let's look together at Exodus chapter three, beginning in verse one. Here's what scripture says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though this bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? Well, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So Moses, in this instance, in Exodus chapter three, God is going to share with Moses his future. God has a message for Moses, just like he has a message for you and me this weekend. God has a plan for Moses' life, just like he has a plan for your life. And when Moses is 80 years old, God is gonna reveal this plan to him. Now, before we get to the actual plan and what God says to Moses, I wanna pause and I just wanna draw three biblical insights from this passage that I think are gonna help you understand some of the historical context as well as the geography and the background for later on in Moses' calling, ministry, and career. The first is this. Do you know where Moses is? What part? What part of geography? He's in where? In Midian. In Midian. Midian is a desolate wilderness, It's the same wilderness that God is going to use Moses to lead his people and to shepherd the people of God, over 2 million of them for the next 40 years in this wilderness. Coincidence? I don't think so. There are no coincidences in God's plan and his timing and his sovereign will for our lives. The second thing is, you remember the mountain where he was? Where was he? He was on the mountain of God. It's called Horeb. It's also known as Mount Sinai. What took place on Mount Sinai? Years later, this is where Moses received the Ten Commandments, the law of God. But before he could receive the law of God, he had to receive the call of God at the same mountain. And then the third thing, it was the fire, right? The bush was not incinerated and there was this fire. Have you ever thought, why fire? God could have done anything. He could have done water. He could have done wind. He could have done snow, but he did fire. Why? Because fire symbolizes holiness. It's called in scripture, the refiner's fire, to be set apart. That's why he said to Moses, don't come any closer. I am holy. You need to take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Now, Fire is important when we come to realize that this is the first time in verse five, if you look at verse five, this is the first time that the word holy is in reference to God in the pages of scripture. So we go all the way through Genesis, we come to Exodus chapter three, and it's the very first time that God calls himself holy, set apart. And this is what he says to Moses. Here's his message, verse 10. He says, now go, Go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is his future. This is what God calls Moses to do. I want you to be a deliverer. 
And after all, Moses must have known that deep in his DNA, he was already a rescuer. I mean, Moses, the name literally means to be drawn out. He was rescued from a certain death in the Nile River. And then 40, later, 40 years later, what did he do? He rescued one of his fellow Israelites from the Egyptian slave master. He was a deliverer. And the very next day, he broke up a fight in the hallway and he delivered to his fellow Hebrews. He must have thought to himself, yes, this is it. I no longer have to be shackled to my past. I no longer have to look behind me. God has destiny. He has a plan. He has a dream. I know I'm a deliverer. I'm made for more. And Moses says, yes. No, no. You know what Moses does? He gives five excuses as to why he can't complete the plan that God has for his life. In other words, Moses gives five paper walls. Five excuses. And some of you are like, man, I can relate to this Moses guy. Like, I get it. And you know what? So can I. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at those five excuses. The first excuse is this. Moses says, who am I? Like, who am I? This is the excuse of identity. Moses says, I'm a foreigner living in a foreign land here in Midian. I'm a, I'm a shepherd. Who am I? There's no, I don't even know myself. You know what God's response to that excuse is? When I'm done with you, you'll know who you are. And more importantly, you'll know who I am. See, God wants to take all of us on a journey of awareness to discover the true you. That's why we looked at Ephesians to say, man, that true, that new me is created when I have a mindset, a shift, that I'm created in the righteousness and holiness of Jesus as my thoughts and attitudes and ways align with his word. Here's the second excuse. Oh, let me give you a response. I'm sorry, I apologize. Here's uh, uh, God's response to Moses' first excuse. He says, I will be with you. This is very powerful, friends. Let me pause here. When you don't understand who you are and what you're battling and what you're going with, what you're going through, you can always rely on this little promise from God's word. God says, I am with you. Uh, you can't flee from God's presence. There is nowhere that you can go. I am with you. Here's the second excuse. Uh, uh, God uh, hears this excuse from Moses. Who are you? If it's not the excuse of, of identity, then uh, Moses raises the paper wall of intimacy. I don't know who you are, God. He didn't have a strong conviction of his relationship and his knowledge of God. God's response is, trust me, trust me. Get to know me, spend time. Like what I'm doing right now, this whole burning bush thing, this is just the beginning, Moses. Mo, you and I are gonna be good friends, buddy. Okay, And more importantly, God gives Moses his name. Now, a name is a very powerful thing. A name speaks to, to not Moses' identity, but to God's identity. In verse 14, it's one of the most powerful verses in all of the Old Testament. This is what God says to Moses. I am who I am. That's his name. I am who I am. What does that mean? That means that God is historically present with Moses 
for the remainder of his life. I will always be present with you. I am the great I am. This is who you are to say to the Israelites that the I am has sent me to you. See, what God was communicating in this cultural context and background is that the Egyptians had many different gods with lots of different names. And God says, I am the one true God and I am who I am. I will be what you need and I will be with you wherever you go. I will be your God. You can count on me. I am reliable. I am immutable. I do not change. And I am faithful to my plan for your life. Stop fighting your future. And this name right here, if you look at Old Testament scholars, this is the most important name that God gives to himself in all of scripture. I am, he reveals to Moses. And that same promise is true for you. The I am is with you in your future. Listen, your future needs you more than your past does, friends. You can learn from your past, take all the lessons you can glean from your past by the power of the spirit. Okay, I learned this about myself and I learned this about myself. But listen, learn to give yourself grace Be gracious to yourself by receiving God's grace around your past and don't fight your future by putting up paper walls like Moses did. Don't do that. Here's the third excuse. It's the excuse of intimidation. Moses says, what if they don't listen to me? Like, what if the people, you remember God like 40 years ago when I tried to break up that fight between the two Hebrews, they said, are you our judge? Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Britches? I mean, that's not actually in the Bible, but (laughs) rough translation. He was intimidated. Like, I got to go back and do this? Like, there's no way, God. You know what God's response is? I'll handle that. I'll take care of it. I got this. And do you know how he had this feeling of intimidation? He asks a pivotal question in chapter four. Here's the question that God says to Moses. He says, What is in your hand? What is in your hand? And Moses responds by saying, a staff, a staff. Now, why is this significant? Well, if you read the subsequent verses there in chapter four, uh, God says to Moses, I want you to throw down your staff. And when he throws it down, it turns, it becomes alive. As he surrenders it, it's alive. It's like a, it's, it becomes a living, nothing magical about the staff. It's just divine power flows through that staff. And then when he picks it up, it becomes this hardened staff again. But here's what's so interesting. This little experience, in my estimation, is one of the key turning points of the Old Testament. And here's why. Because the staff represented two things for Moses. First is influence. As a shepherd, this is what would push and pull the sheep. The second thing is it represented his income. He was a shepherd. But, 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 but when he surrendered his influence and his income... God took his staff and it became the rod of God. After, if you look in scripture, after this occurrence, it is no longer Moses never references, nor does God ever reference Moses' staff as a staff any longer. It now is the rod of God. 
the very instrument that God will use to part the Red Sea, the very instrument that he will go before Pharaoh and he will touch the Nile and it will turn the blood, the very instrument that he will hit the rock and water would flow to create provision for those two million Israelites as he led them out of Egypt. It was the rod of God. So let me ask you, what's in your hand? What has God placed in your hand that if you would surrender it, it would become alive to him and his divine influence and his power would flow through your life? What, what is it? That God would transform and say, I have a plan. I know your next 40 years. I know your next season. Get beyond your excuses. And I will use what's in your hand for my kingdom, for my glory, and for the benefit of a lot of people. And Moses heard this and he immediately thought to himself, here's his fourth excuse. He said, but God, I've never been a good speaker. God, I can't do this. This is the excuse of inadequacy. This is the excuse of, you know what? I'm, smart. I'm not smart enough. I didn't, I didn't get that college education or I'm not pretty enough or I don't have the right words or I can't. Do you know what God's response to Moses is? Who made your mouth? I'm the one who created you. I'll handle it. Uh, some of us as believers, as Christians, we, we don't share, we don't shine our light. We put it under the proverbial bowl. You know why? Because we don't feel like we have all the fill in the blank answers. It's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this apologetics conference that's coming up in two weeks, Friday night and Saturday. It's a way for us to learn some information, biblical content around doubt, the presence of evil and suffering, deconstructionism, sexuality, and, 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 and all kinds of topics and things that concern us today, atheism and, and guarding and being able to defend our faith. Where, wherever you feel an inadequacy is a place where God's greatest power will flow in your life. And so what did, what did uh, Moses do? How did he respond? Well, he followed it up with a fifth excuse. And here's what he said. I know you can find somebody else. In other words, Moses said, God, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. I'm not your guy. I'm not the deliverer. And here's why. I don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. I feel intimidated. I'm inadequate. So God, uh, can you find somebody else? This is the sinking feeling of feeling inferior. It's the, I am so inferior. There has to be somebody else, God, that's more suited for this position. And I hesitated to put this verse in my message, but I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit because this verse is pretty hard. You know God's response to Moses? God's response is found in verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. I don't know about you, friends, but I don't want God's anger to burn against me. How about you? I mean, it's one thing, you know, to, to throw up your little paper excuses to your spouse or to your friends. It's one thing to have your excuses to your boss. It's another thing to be giving excuses to God, right? God doesn't deserve your excuses. He deserves your surrender, amen? So God says, okay, I'm angry at you, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you your brother 
Aaron, who, who's a Levite. I know he can speak well. He's already, and I love this. This is the provision of God. He's already on his way to meet you, Moses. Because I, I knew you were going to throw this paper wall. And so I have something for you. You know, before we launched this series, a couple weeks before, I shot a little video downtown Appleton. And I had asked, I said, hey, how about you share this? Invite a friend. And I said, also drop in the comments. Let us know some of your excuses. Some of your excuses. And so here are a couple things that you told us on social media. One of your excuses was eventually. Eventually, I'll, I'll get to it. Eventually, eventually, I'll get to it. Kind of a paper wall. Or what about this one? Not good enough. There's no way I'm not good enough. Similar to Moses, right? I, can't, I don't even know who I am. I, there's no way I can do this. I'm not, I'm not good enough to what you're calling me to do and who you're calling me to be. Or here's another one. It's just not worth it. Have you ever been there? It's not worth it. Like this marriage, this family, this job, it's just not worth it. It's too much, it's too hard, and it's not worth it. And I'm too dysfunctional and I'm too broken. That, my friends, is an excuse. Or I'm too old. I'm just too old. Somebody said, I'm too old to start over. How old was Moses when he heard this? 80, you're not too old. There's only five of you here this service that could actually use that excuse. And you still can't because he was 80. <laughs> I'm too busy. Too busy. I don't have time. Can't do that. Too busy. So what's your excuse? What, what, what's holding you back? How are you fighting your future? How are you fighting your future? What is your paper wall that it seems so impenetrable, but really it's just an excuse? What is it? It's just an excuse. You're stopping yourself. You're hurting yourself. You know, it's kind of weird to think about it this way, but a definition of an excuse is something like this. It's a lie that you tell yourself about yourself. You know, for some of you, I know it's kind of weird to think this. For some of you, you know what would be a great application this weekend? Go home and look in the mirror. I know it's kind of odd. And apologize to yourself. You owe yourself an apology. Adam, I'm sorry. I've been lying to you. Adam, I've, I've, been, I've been telling you some lies, some excuses. I call them reasons, but really I'm making up excuses from stopping me for what God has for me. So with God's help, I'm gonna to listen to his voice and I'm gonna do what he calls me to do. Maybe for some of you, you owe yourself an apology. So here's the question that we have to come to. How, how do we then, how do we, how do we bust through the paper walls? How do, we, how do we actually bust through the paper walls? Well, in the New Testament, the author of Hebrews gives us some great biblical wisdom, some practical application. In fact, this is what he says in chapter 12, beginning in verse one. Here's what's so key. He says this, throw off. Everybody say throw off. Throw off everything. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, what he's saying is throw off these excuses, poke some holes in them, get them done, rip them. No more excuses, I'm done. Throw it off. Throw off the excuses. The sin that so easily entangles. 
And then he goes on and he says, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Now, if you're a Christian here today, the race that's marked out for you is to become more like Jesus Christ, to be transformed in the attitude of your heart and your mind and your mouth and all of your priorities that you have kingdom priorities and principles and you live his way. That's a generic, a general call for all Christians. And then there's specific things that he calls you to be a part of. And he has planned these specific seasons and chapters and good works. He has them all designed for you, but you can't fight your future with your excuses. If you're not a believer here today and somebody invited you, you know what you have? You have goals. We call them goals. You have some aspirations, a vision for your picture. And this is great biblical advice for you. Just throw, throw off, stop making excuses. Run, run. He says, run your race, run your life so that when you look back at your life, you can say, you know what? It mattered. I ran on purpose and with purpose. My life counted for something more than just my selfishness or what I was trying to do. It was for God. It was for my family. It was for my friends. It was for people around me. He's saying like, run that way. Do that. Go that way. Don't we all want that? I do. Now, if you're a Christian, there's more. One more thing. There's one more thing that, that the author says. He says, you need, it's all about your focus. You need to fix your eyes. If you want to bust through some paper walls, you need to fix your focus, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. So what can we do today? I can do a couple things. First of all, you can go ahead and you can put everything on the table. Your future, you can put it on the table. The future of your children that you're so concerned about, the future of your finances, the, the future of, of your relationships, the, the future, you just put everything out there. Put it on the table. And, and, and you can begin to say, Jesus, I wanna, I wanna really pay attention to some of my excuses. In other words, stop the excuse factory. Just shut it down, close it. Say, it's out of operation, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm quitting doing that with God's help. And then you can just put your life and everything on the altar as you take this time and as you fix your eyes on Jesus.